Well, again, it's great having all of you guys here with us on this holiday weekend. For the last three weeks, today being week number four and the final installment of this series, I've been talking to you about not losing heart. And there's a lot of things in this world that will try to cause us to lose heart. In fact, the Bible, you've heard me say this probably uh, two, at least, uh, at least two, maybe three or four times, that uh, the problem that we have is we're in constant conflict. We're always in a battle. There's never a day in our life that we're not in a battle. The Bible says that we're constantly in conflict with the world, which is this current culture, wants to tear us down, wants to drag us away, wants to just beat us up. We're in conflict with the devil who is real and always working against us because we belong to God and we're part of the family of God and the, the devil hates God. And we're in a struggle with our own selves. We've got this part of us that wants to love God, serve God, obey God, and go God's direction. But we all know that there's also this internal part of us that when we know that we ought to do something, there's always this conflict. Will I do what I ought to do or will I do what I, I ought not do? You know, what I, you know, I know I should do this, but I think I'm going to do that. And so we've got the battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all these kind of things will try to, to, to defeat us uh, spiritually. And one of the things that uh, I want to deal with, it's sort of, it's certainly in keeping with not losing heart, but it's from a little bit of a different angle this morning. And I really, really do think that it's going to be helpful uh, to you today. But let me just say this right up front. I hope that where you're at right now, that you don't need this message today. I hope you don't need it. I, I really do, because I have the luxury of knowing what I'm about to say. And uh, I hope what I'm about to say, you don't need right now in your life. Now, there's, I know in even saying that, that there's going to be many of you, you need it right now. But there's going to be others of you that you're going to have a tendency to say, well, that's not really where I'm at right now. And so you may have a tendency to just sort of phase out, to just sort of, you know, relax a little bit, maybe uh, think a little bit along other lines. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do because you're going to need it. I want you to take really, really good notes. Because you may not need what I'm going to share with you today, but I promise you, you're going to need it. I hate to tell you this, that there's some challenges that are ahead in your life. You're not going to be able to get around them. I wish, you know, the greatest men and women of God, even those going way back to the Bible, could not go throughout their life uh, problem-free. And you and I are not going to be able to do that either. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to get something out of this talk today that when you are going through a, a challenge that you can pick this up. Because if you don't know what to do, when you have like a big challenge, you know, a, a, a little challenge would be like, all right, where, you know, where am I going to eat after church? That's not a challenge. Where am I going to eat? Am I going to eat A, B, or C? I'm talking about the big challenges of life. And you're going to have them. You have had them. I've had them. I'll have them again. And so I hope you don't need the message today, but you are going to need it. So take some really, really uh, good notes. Now, there's uh, a lot of challenges in life. We're going to learn today a valuable lesson or lessons, actually three of them, from a prophet in the Old Testament. I hope that when you study the Bible and you do your devotions that you do not leave out the Old Testament. There are so many things that are, that are in the Old Testament that God wants to communicate to us, valuable lessons that we can learn, and I'm going to walk you through some of these today. But before we get to the story of Jeremiah, I want to ask you, what is your story looking like this, these days? What's your story? What are you going through? 
What's up in your life? What is the problem or the challenge that you are having to deal with in this current season of your life? Maybe when you think about your biggest challenge, it is, it is related to your job. It's related to your job. Maybe it's the business that you own that you've invested your life and resources in. And there's been some economic challenges, and you're just saying, you know, I, my back feels like it's against the wall. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Every business owner that I know that's a part of our church or I'm a friend of a business owner, I hear it again and again, some of the challenges that they face. One of the things that I hear oftentimes, it's just hard to find really, really good, trustworthy employees. And maybe you're just looking at your business. Maybe it's not a business that you own, but it's a company that you work for. And you're just saying, there's so much stress in my job. And there's all the challenges of the office politics. And I hear that there's possible layoffs. And, and you know, there's some challenges there. I'm hearing these rumors. Maybe you've got a harsh boss. If he happens to attend the church, please don't look at him while I just said that. All right, don't do that. So maybe your challenge, your greatest challenge is in your job. Maybe your greatest challenge right now is in your health. Maybe it's health-related. Maybe it's an injury. We've got a guy that works at the church. That He's a part of our facilities uh, department. He was involved in a motorcycle accident just a few days ago. Had a brain bleed, and that's fine now. Had to have a, a torn aorta repaired, if, uh, if you can imagine, and that's been done. But broken bones and injuries and pain, and, and so maybe, maybe your challenge is not as great as his, but you've faced some sort of injury or you, you've got chronic pain in your body and this just all the time. And, and you're like, I wish this pain would go away. Or maybe just recently you've received back some alarming test results. Or maybe like a dear friend that's a part of this church, a lady that I've gotten to know, her and her husband, because not too long ago she was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, I was checking out of Walmart yesterday. Don't you love going to Walmart when there's about 7,428 people in there? And I've got a secret place that I always check out. I do. I'm not going to tell you because you'll start making the lines longer. And so I've got this place, and I always park this particular area, and I run, get a few things that I need, and I go to this, like, secret uh, checkout place back in the garden center. But you didn't hear me say that because the line is always short, and I don't have to stand there forever. And so, but yesterday it was so crowded, even that line was long. And so, you know, I'm complaining to God about that. Not really. And so I'm getting ready to check out, and I turn, and I see this lady. She's a part of our church, and she's been through some major, major surgery, uh, cancer-related. And I turned around, and I saw her. I didn't see her husband initially. He came in like two minutes later, and I said, look at you, and had a chance to hug her neck and hug his neck and talk to him a little bit about how she's doing and, and so maybe for you, you've, you're going through cancer. Maybe you had cancer in the past, and there's a reoccurrence of that. Maybe your greatest challenge is not in your job. Maybe it's not in your health. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe you're having to deal with a challenge of aging parents, and you never thought that it would be as cumbersome or as discouraging as it is. Maybe you've got a troubled marriage, and, and you're like, I don't even know if we're going to be able to make it or not. Maybe you've got an unmanageable child that it seems like everything you want them to do, they want to do the exact opposite. You almost want to tell them not to do what you want them to do just so they'll do what you want them to do. Maybe it's uh, 
Maybe it's death in your family. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe it's a great supporter, encourager in your life. Maybe it's like uh, I've experienced and still to this day uh, texting uh, yesterday to some family members and just how much I still miss my mom. I ran into uh, a lady uh, this week. She's a part of our church, and she lost her mom about the same time that I lost my mom. And so I saw her in Chick-fil-A, which I, I make it there, you know, a time or two or, or six every week. And so I saw her there, and I, I, I hugged her neck, and I just said, and, and I said, how are you doing? And she looked at me, and, and we've got this common bond that we both lost our mom around the same time, lost my dad a few months before that. Maybe, maybe that's your greatest challenge. You're still dealing with that. And... Uh, I want us today to enlist the experience of an Old Testament prophet, this guy by the name of Jeremiah, who, by the way, loved God incredibly, probably loved God at a level that I cannot even begin to imagine. Uh, Jeremiah was actually a voice for God to his nation during a dreadful time in their history. Uh, They've been invaded by a ruthless nation and army. Uh, Many of the citizens that Jeremiah knew there in his country had been captured. Many of them had been displaced as slaves. The economic fallout of what is taking place is so widespread and so oppressive that people in his country are literally starving to death. These are bad times. These are bad times. These are dreadful times. And Jeremiah stands as a voice for God in the midst of all that. Added to that is his assignment from God, which is to take the message of God to the people of God who are not listening to it. And they feel so overpowered and they don't want to hear God's message to them. Uh, They don't want to welcome it. They don't want to hear it. And so because they don't want to hear what Jeremiah is saying from God, and a lot of them are convincing themselves that it's not from God because they don't want to heed God's message and because uh, Jeremiah is God's mouthpiece, they retaliate against him. And the trouble that he encounters more than you would think any human being would ever be able to handle. And so when you go into this particular book that we're going to look at this morning, Jeremiah actually wrote two books, one of them bearing his name, Jeremiah. But then there's this other book that we're going to look at today, which is actually quite somber. He writes it as well. And in this somber book, Right there, it just seems that in the middle of it, there is this positive and practical message on what a person can do when it seems like life is coming apart at the seams. And that may be where you're at today. It may seem like to you that in some arena of your life that life is coming apart at the seams. Now, again, I hope you don't need this message. But if you don't, I want you to be sure you get it down because you are going to need it. You are going to face a time in your life, and it probably will not be just, I'm being a realist. It's probably not going to be one time. It's probably going to be several times between now and heaven that you may feel like this is about more than I can stand. I feel like my life is coming apart. I feel like in whatever area or areas, I'm in real trouble. Now, the name of this Old Testament book where this event is described, the event I'm going to speak to you about for the next few moments Uh, The name of the book is actually a clue to the content found within it. This book, remember, Jeremiah wrote the book that bears his name, and that's why always you've heard me say this before, read all the Old Testament, read it, read it, read it, because when you get to heaven, there's going to be people like Isaiah and Hosea and Amos and Obadiah and Joel and Hezekiah and Malachi, various ones. They're going to walk up to you, and they're going to say, did you read my book? (laughs) And you're going to want to say, yes, I read it. It's a good book. I read it. You don't want to say no and never got away around to reading your book. 
And so Jeremiah wrote the book that bears his name, but then he wrote this other much shorter book, and the name of the book will tell you what the book is about. The book is called Lamentations, Lamentations. Now, that's a word, uh, lam- lament or lamentations. We don't really use that word much today, but to lament, we know, a lot of us do, the word means to complain. So lamentations, I want you to understand this because I want you to understand the Bible, and I want you to see again and again every week that we're together that the Bible is so, is so tethered to what is going on in your life. It is so, it is so real to the experience and relevant to the things that you and I encounter. And so this book, Lamentations, in a very real sense, is the complaint of Jeremiah about everything that is going wrong in his life. The prophet in Lamentations is actually complaining. He's complaining about his problems, his personal problems, the problems of the nation. He talks to God about all this pressure he's under, the pain that he's going through. Uh, Jeremiah is complaining. This is an Old Testament book of complaints, and he has something to learn. And so do we. So I want to give you, for the next few moments, three valuable lessons. You may not need them today, but you're going to need them. And I want you to be sure you get them down. And Jeremiah helps us to see it. Lesson number one, we can express our frustrations to God. We can express our frustrations to God. You see, a lot of you maybe have grown up in a church where nobody ever gave you permission to complain to God. Well, all that's going to change right now. Let me help you. You can complain to God. Nobody's, a lot of people maybe leaves you with this, oh, no, don't you ever, no, don't you ever tell God what you're really feeling. God doesn't know. He knows. It's all right to complain to God. It really is. God, you can tell him exactly how you feel, and and you don't have to worry about whether or not he can handle it. He certainly is able to. Believe it or not, you can complain to God about a lot of areas in your life. You can complain to God about your fears. You can complain to God about your frustrations. You can complain to God about your challenges and about your concerns. You can let God know. And again, you've probably, a lot of you have never been given permission. Maybe you thought it was illegal to do so, but you can say to God, it's okay, it really is. God, I don't like what's happening in my life. God already knows it. You might as well go ahead and tell him. In fact, it may be, I want you to be sure you get this, it may be the first step to you getting some real healing in your life to put voice to something that you already feel inside, that God already knows about. And you can tell him, God, I don't like what's happening in my life. God, I'd like to catch a break here. God, I'm tired of this. God, I need something to change in my life. Preferably, have you ever said something like this to God? Preferably sooner than later. Like, God, I need an answer to prayer, but I need it quickly. Now, Jeremiah definitely let it rip. You're going to be surprised how much so that he did. I want you to listen. It's not on the screen. These particular verses are not. Some others will be in the next few moments. But I just want you to listen to some of the things that Jeremiah, remember, he is writing lamentations. He is writing a book of complaints. He is complaining about everything that is going wrong in his life. And listen to what he says to God. He says, this is verse 1. We're all going to look in chapter 3 today, but we're starting the very first verse. He said, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has, and he's talking about God. He has driven me away. 
He's made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blots of stone. He has made my paths crooked. He's going on and on and on. And I can almost imagine, it probably didn't happen this way, but I can imagine God saying, all right, all right, all right, you're done now? You get it all out? Is that how you really feel? And God knew what he really felt. And I often wonder, why would God allow? Maybe you've wondered this about other portions of the Bible, but I wonder specifically about this portion. Why would God allow a passage like that to stay in the Bible? You see, if I were God, and how many of you are glad I'm not? Don't have to get all excited about it, but I understand. I'm glad you're not. But uh, if I were God, I'd say, all right, now here's what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to edit this portion out of my Bible so that people will never see such words from one of my great prophets. I don't want anybody to see how that Jeremiah just goes off in all of his complaining and bellyaching. Yet God does not do this. Why does God not take it out of his book? Because God wants us to know that he is more than capable. You got to hear this now, friends, that he is more than capable of hearing us out and and that he's willing to help us when we feel stressed and when we're angry and when we're sad and when we're disillusioned and when we're afraid and when we're depressed. We can tell God exactly how we feel. And I'm telling you, God can handle it. In verses 17 and 18, God continues to listen to Jeremiah's grievance, even as it becomes more personal. This is on the screen, still in chapter 3. Look at verses 17 and 18. This is Jeremiah. He's like, catches his breath, and he keeps going. He said, I cannot find peace or remember happiness. You ever felt like that? I can't find peace anywhere. I don't remember what it's like to be happy. He said, I tell myself, I'm finished. I'm done. I quit. It's over. I can't count on the Lord to do anything for me. You ever felt like that? You ever had a verbal or a, or a mental eruption like that? Sure you have, if you're willing to admit it, and so have I. Really, God? Is this how it's going to be? Why don't you do something? God, if you love me so much, why are you allowing me to walk through this? God, if you really care about me, then why am I going through this in my business? Why is it like this at my job? Why is it like this in my home? Why is it like this in my health? Why? It seems that every direction that I turn, trouble follows me. It's before me. It's behind me. It's beside. My life is rift with challenges. God, what's up with that? And the good thing when you do that, listen, listen, you got to hear it. God keeps on listening, but he also keeps on loving. You're not going to chase away the love of God by your complaints. I remember when my kids were small, just how they would get so frustrated and they would would act up. It just, you know, something wasn't going right. And they would just, you know, and I wasn't particularly pleased about how they were reacting to it. But did it make me stop loving my kids? Absolutely not. Have you ever had a child throw a temper tantrum? Have you? Do you just say, you know, look, I can't believe you're doing that. I don't love you anymore. Of course you don't do that. You still love them. And God still loves us. 
I want to mention something here before we move on. God is God, and because God is God, God does not owe us an explanation, just so we're clear on that. God is sovereign. God does not owe us an explanation. He, he really, really does not. Having said that, though, I do want to follow that up before we move on to lesson two in saying this. There are some things. You just got to know it, and this is going to help some of you. There are some things that are going to happen here on earth that are never going to make sense to you until you get to heaven. They just won't. I mean, you can look at it from every angle. You may be like me. You have a highly analytical mind, and so you're always trying to figure it out. You're always trying to approach something. There's a way to discover what, and, and so maybe you're thinking, and, and you may think all day long, but the reality is it's not going to make sense to you here on earth. There's a lot that we are going to experience here on earth that's not going to make any sense to us until we get to heaven. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. Now I see, because you and I cannot see what God sees, and you and I do not know what God knows, and you and I do not have the mind of God completely, because the Bible says that His ways are so far above our own ways that we can't even comprehend His thoughts. So lesson number one, and some of you needed to hear it because you've been convinced otherwise, you can, I can express our frustrations to God. Don't forget the name of this book, The Book of Complaints lamentations, and Jeremiah is complaining about all the stuff that's going wrong in his life. All right, you ready? I can see your hand, so wave at me if you're with me. You still with me? Lesson number two, this is going to be really, really important. You got to be sure you get it now. Here it is. We must focus on God's love rather than our problems. All right, it's okay to complain. It really is. But having done so, it's like when we just let it all out. And again, that may be the beginning step to our healing to just sort of acknowledge what we're already feeling deep within. But once we've done that, we've got to move beyond that. We just can't camp there. We just can't complain the rest of our life. At some point, we need to just say, all right, did it, told God what I feel, told God what I thought, complained about my frustrations, my fears, my challenges, my concerns. I got all of that out. And now, what we need to, and this is straight from Jeremiah, the example that we're learning from him is we've got to stop focusing now on our problems and start reminding ourselves of the love of God. So Jeremiah, when you follow his story, he settles in after all of his ranting and railing and complaints, and he remembers this deep, unfailing truth. And that is, here's the truth, and it's true not only for Jeremiah, it is also true for your life and mine, even when it seems dark even when life is distressing, even when things around us seem dreary, God's love for us never disappears. Can I say this to you? Please hear me on this. God's love for you is the most dependable reality in your life. There's a lot of things that are going to change. There's a lot that you have no control over. And if you're a person that likes to control, that bothers you, that you can't control everything. But you can't. But there is something that is constant, that is unchanging, that will never fade, and that is God's love for you. It's the most dependable reality in your life. I want you to check out the words of Jeremiah as he remembers this. This is still all of it is chapter uh, 3. I want you to look now at verse 19. It's here on the screen. He said, the thought of my pain, you see his problems, my homelessness is bitter poison. I think of it constantly, and my spirit is depressed. Yet hope returns. Yet, and you see, you see something's changing here. Yet hope returns when I remember 
This one thing. Would you read these four words with me, will you? The Lord's unfailing love. Say it again. The Lord's unfailing love. He said, I'm going through this. I've got all these problems in my life. You're about to see a problem that's going to blow you away in his life, by the way. And so he said, I've got this on my life. My spirit is depressed. I'm thinking about my pain. All of this is going on. Yet hope returns when I remember this one thing. The Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue. He says, it's fresh as the morning. It's as sure as the sunrise. The Lord is all I have. And so in him, I put my hope. Look at this last statement. The Lord is all I have. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about this reality. And that is, you're going to find that God is enough when you enter into seasons in your life, when you're like, I I don't know where I'm going to turn. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've tried to work it out humanly. I've tried to make it possible on my own. I've, I've tried to uh, straighten this out in my own power, and it doesn't happen. And you're going to come back to that reality that there's going to be so many occasions in your life, in my life, when the only person really at the end of the day that can change it is God. And friends, as long as our focus remains on our problems and all the negativity in our life, things are not going to get any better. They're just not. If you just day after day just keep thinking, here's my problem, and and the next day all you can think about is, here's my problems, and the day after that you're thinking about all the negativity that's going, everything that is going wrong in your life, and you just live that day after day. You can see why a guy like Jeremiah and many others would say, you know what, my spirit is depressed because all I can see is my problems. All I can see is my challenges. All I can see is my pain. All I can see is my fear. All I can see is trouble in my life. And there comes that point in time, if you're ever going to break out of that, where you've got to say, I'm going to stop allowing my my thoughts to converge on my pain, and I'm going to allow my thoughts to go onto the love of God. I really like, many of you have heard of Matt Lucado. You've read his book, some of you. I love what he has written. He said, God will not let you go. He has handcuffed himself to you in love, and he owns the only key. You need not win his love. You already have his love. Now, can I just tell you before we move on why it is so difficult for our minds to comprehend the love of God? Our minds find it so difficult to be able to absorb how great the love of God is. You know why? Because the only way we can even interpret love or measure love is based on human standards. So what do we do? We, we take our human context or our human understanding of love, and somehow we bring God into the equation of that all. Of that all. And, and that's a huge mistake. Because you and I cannot understand the depth and the perfection of God's love. We can never understand the never-ending nature of God. And so because we compare it to human love, which is fickle and flawed and measured in this regard. All right, if you love me first, then I'm going to love you. Human love often has to be earned. And so what we do is we take our human, messed up way of love, and we somehow compare the love of God in that same grid. And you just can't do that because you and I cannot even, even fathom how much God loves us. Now, I, I, I understand it. I understand it a little bit better. I, I don't have it fully realized yet, but I understand it a little bit better now that I've got two granddaughters. And I'm like, that just kicks in. 
How many of you, by the way, are, are grandparents? Wave at me. Let me just see. Your grandparents. How many of you know that kicks in a love of a whole nother nature? I, I, I had no, you know, I value it and great. I, everybody's using it. But I had no value whatsoever for FaceTime until my granddaughters moved to Illinois. Now I'm a FaceTime freak. I was trying to FaceTime after I read over my notes the last time this morning on my way back to church. And I'm just trying because I just, you know, want to see my little granddaughters. And, you know, I can't imagine anything that they could do. In fact, I know that they could never do anything that would make their papa stop loving them. And there's nothing that you and I could do that would make God stop loving us. You can't do anything. You've heard me say this so many times before. But you've got to be reminded of this valuable truth. You cannot do anything that would make God love you any more. You cannot do anything that would make God love you any less. Because God's love is perfect in every way. But you and I get all messed up because all we can relate to. Uh, some of you are just saying, well, you know, I, I heard love. I, heard, I had an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend tell me, uh, you know, that they love me. Maybe you grew up. I hope you didn't. Maybe you grew up in the home where you had an overbearing, disgruntled parent or parents even that could never be pleased. And so if you're saying, well, that's what love is like. If that's what love is like, I don't want any part of it. Maybe you had a, a challenge in, in a relationship. Maybe you had a broken relationship and you just say, well, you know, I thought I understood love when I was once married. If that's what love is like, then I, I don't really. And, and what we do, and the point that I'm trying to make is this, we try to take this massive expanse of God's perfect love that is never ending, and we just sort of bring it down to our own human understanding. And that's a huge mistake because we cannot understand the love of God. Look at these next couple of verses, next three verses, picking up at verse 31. Now, Jeremiah is still, and he says, and you can see that he's turned the corner. He said, the Lord is merciful and will not reject us forever. He may bring us sorrow, but here it is again. But his love for us is what? It is sure and it is strong. He takes no pleasure in causing us grief or pain. And I just want to say to you before we move on to this last valuable lesson, if you're in pain today and you're wondering what God is doing, I'll tell you what God is doing. God is hurting with you. If you just say, I've got this pain going on in my life, how does God feel about that? God hurts with you. If you're experiencing sadness or loss, and many of you are, you may be wondering, well, what is God up to? He is grieving with you. If you feel that you're at a place in your life where you are emotionally exhausted or you're feeling very lonely, where is God? What's he up to? He is right there beside you with a promise that he will never, ever leave you and he will never, ever forsake you. Lesson number three. Lesson number three is this. Be sure you get it. We should trust God to free us of our fears. We should trust God to free us of our fears. Now, I've just got to tell you, Jeremiah had every reason to be afraid. He really did. His country is on the verge of collapse. Its citizens are harassed and they're scattered. I mentioned that to you. And if that were not bad enough, Jeremiah, because he has taken the message of God to the people of God that they really don't want to hear or understand, he is a hated man. He's a wanted man. And they just become so eventually fed up with Jeremiah. I want you to look at what they do next. Picking up, you'll see this on the screen, verse 53. And Jeremiah is telling us exactly what happened. He said, they 
threw me into a pit and they dropped stones on me. If it were not bad enough to be thrown in the pit, he thinks probably left for dead. Then they throw stones down on him. He said, the water rose over my head and I cried out, this is the end. This is it. I'm done for. But I called on your name, Lord, from deep within the pit. You heard me when I cried. You listened to my pleading. You heard my cry for help. Yes, you came when I called and you told me, what are those three words? Say them with me. Do not fear. Say it again. Do not fear. Do you know that for some of you that have come here today, that is the message above everything else that you've heard for the last few minutes. That is why God wanted you to be here today for you to be able to hear on behalf of God, somebody say to you, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. It's amazing, isn't it? Think about it. Maybe you've never thought about it this way before. But do you know there are so many things, and we've been looking at it in, in this message, where God gives us a free pass on so many things. And God, like, gives us a free pass to complain. That's what Lamentations is. So it's like God is saying, you want to complain? All right, go ahead and complain. Let it rip. And God gives us a pass on that. Uh, you want to you wanna question? Go ahead. God can stand up to the scrutiny of any skeptic. You want to question? You go ahead. Let it rip. Just question whatever you want to question. I give you permission. I give you a pass to do that. If you want to express your frustrations, you go ahead. You feel it, you might as well go ahead and say it, and that may be the very thing that begins to help you in your life. So it's like God says, I'll give you a free pass on complaining and questioning and expressing your frustrations. But then God says, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to fear. And why does God say, I don't want you to fear? It's because fear will cause us to lose heart. Fear will cause us to lose heart. Fear will paralyze us spiritually, emotionally, in every other way. And that's God's word for many of you that are here today. Do not fear. And the only way that you may be able to conquer that which is creating so much worry and anxiety and despair in your life is to reach out and take the calm and steady hand of God and walk with God whatever challenge you're faced with right now or whatever challenge you're going to be faced with in the future. We've seen so, images, so many images now of this devastating hurricane, and there's just something about the image of a strong hand that can take you through the toughest times in your life. Again and again, we see uh, an early responder. We see a, a good Samaritan that takes the hand of a child or an older person a strong and steady hand, and walks with them through their greatest challenge. And God says that. God says, here I am. Take my hand. I'm going to lead you. I'm never going to let go of you. I'm right here with you. I was reading a book not too terribly long ago, and I found this interesting because I'd never seen it before, but I wanted to share it with you here for just a moment. Let me just read one paragraph. When you get in a situation where you're overwhelmed by fear, this writer says, get a grip. Tell yourself to stop. In fact, he says, fear management experts say it may be helpful to say these words out loud. Just say, stop it. Just, I mean, you're afraid. Just say it out loud. Stop it. Stop it. Stop manufacturing worst-case scenarios because isn't that what we do? Does your mind ever think when you're afraid about something? Does your mind ever think of the best-case scenario? No. The worst case. And he says, stop it. Stop believing that you can't push back panicky feelings with the power of Christ and the power of truthful words because you actually can. 
We come to the end of this tremendous story. And Jeremiah, is, he's just let it rip, and he's expressed all of his frustrations to God. He's just telling God about everything that is going wrong in his country, wrong in his nation, wrong among the citizens, wrong in what is going on in his personal life, how he's being treated, why am I having to go through all this? I love you. I'm serving you. In fact, I'm the lone voice for you in the midst of all of this chaos and confusion. And God, I'm just doing what you asked me to do. And that's all I'm doing. And still, I've got so much trouble. And he just lets it rip. He laments. He complains. A book of complaints. And then he does what all of us needs to do. And he says, all right, I can just keep focusing on my problems day after day, or I can remind myself of this great truth. God's love for me is constant. And no matter what I'm afraid of, no matter what is creating anxiety or fear or worry or distress in my life, here's what I'm going to do. Whether it's in my health or my business, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's my job, no matter what it is, I'm going to reach up and I'm going to respond to the strong and steady hand of God. And I'm going to know that God is going to take me through this challenge and God is going to free me of my fears. My prayer for you today is this prayer, and you'll see it on the screen. Guys, go ahead and put it up. This is David in Psalm 34, verse 4. I want you to read it with me, and then we're going to stand and pray. Let's all read it together. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me. From all my fears. Will you stand with me this morning, everybody? Be sure to be back next Sunday. We will begin the most important message series of this entire year. It really, really is. But I want God to free you of your fears. I want you to just trust God completely. I don't want you to compare God's love for you to negative experiences of human love that hasn't quite worked out in your life. God's love for you is constant, and He's not going to leave you. Whatever you're walking through or whatever is ahead of you that you're going to have to walk through, you just keep this in mind. Take the strong, steady hand of God that is reaching out to you, and He will carry you, and He will help you. Father, we thank you for that today. Lord, I pray for people here today that do not know you yet, Lord, that they get in turmoil and problems and because they've rejected you in their life and said that they didn't need you and never had time for you, they don't know where to turn. God, I pray that even now they'll turn to you. Even if they have rejected you a thousand times, you're still there and your hand is reached out to them. And I pray that in these final moments of this service that they would just, just say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Make me a brand new person. Walk with me, Lord. Pray for all of those who know you already and just walk into a challenge. That God, that the focus will not be day after day, a focus on problems, but we'll see your love and we'll allow you to push out all the fears in our life just as Jeremiah did. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you hear us when we pray and you have promised that you're always going to be there. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody. Have an awesome day. See you next Sunday.